Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On this special episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast, we have an exclusive interview with Pete Radovich of CBS Sports. Never before in the United States have we seen as much quality and quantity of coverage of the UEFA Champions League and Europa League as what CBS Sports have done. One of the key executives at the heart of this coverage is Pete Radovich, the coordinating producer of the UEFA coverage on CBS Sports who also holds a position as CBS Sports' Senior Creative Director. Radovich, who is a 37-time Emmy Award winner, uh, spoke to World Soccer Talk this week from London to discuss the Herculean task he and his team have undertook to get the Champions League and Europa League coverage ready for the United States. After all, don't forget that it was Turner Sports and Bleacher Report who dropped the coverage and handed it the rights back to UEFA only a short while ago. So the turnaround time for CBS Sports was extremely tight. And it was uh, Kartik Krishnaya, Kartik, who's joining me right here, uh, who had the opportunity to speak to uh, Pete Radovich. And uh, what are some of the things, Kartik, that we can expect here in this interview that would be kind of enlightening or insightful for our audience? I think uh, several pieces. One, we're going to hear about how the talent team was assembled at CBS. We're going to hear about how uh, the chemistry was developed between uh, their studio talent. We're going to hear a lot about Clive Tilsley and Peter Drury and what CBS was able to do to, to attract them to uh, to do these games for CBS exclusively rather than uh, uh, taking uh, the world feed or, or having Tilsley and Drury potentially work for, for UEFA and do the world feed. And we're going to hear a lot also about Europa League, which uh, is a more important piece of CBS's coverage of the Champions League, uh, excuse me, CBS's coverage of UEFA club competitions than it was for either Fox or uh, Turner. So that, that to me was really interesting. And we're going to talk a little bit also about Rafa Honingstein, who uh, has uh, uh, excelled in, in what is a uh, elevated role for him. We, we, very familiar with him on this side of the Atlantic from his work with the Guardian and his work with ESPN and ESPN FC and The Athletic. Uh, but this is uh, Honingstein in a whole new more prominent role, and, and uh, we're, it looks like we're going to uh, get more of that. And, and uh, it's come back with uh, very good reviews, both from CBS and from the viewers. All right, Kartik, some, some good teasers there. So, so here's the interview with Pete Radovich, and then stick around uh, post-interview for some of our thoughts about the insights that uh, Pete shared.
Pete, thank you for joining us. Let's start talking about your London studio. It's gotten rave reviews to this point in the tournament. Obviously, you brought in some of the best and well-known talent that does this in the English language for UEFA Champions League and Europa League. Uh, is this something you plan to continue using the studio in London as you go uh, on beyond uh, uh, this summer uh, uh, coverage at the end of this tournament, or are you going to shift the studio somewhere else? I think in the, in, in, in the immediate future, yes. Um, I can't speak for four years, but I can speak for October, which is only two months away, I believe, if my math is right. Um, so the use of a studio in London for this upcoming um, Champions League campaign, definitely something that we are in, a, in, a, in um, right now planning to do, uh, just because of the circumstances. Um, it, it, first of all, it, you know, we're happy with the results. Um, we think it's worked out really well. I'm more than happy with being in Europe. Uh, given my background, I kind of feel some ways more comfortable here sometimes than I do in, at home in the States. So, um, yeah, I think it checks out on all fronts. Uh, long, long term, beyond this coming season, that's something that we'll probably reevaluate after this upcoming season. But for the near future, without question, uh, the plan is to continue as we've been going, uh, as we've been doing this last few weeks. Right. You don't have a quick turnaround between the end of this tournament and the start of uh, I mean, qualifying has already begun, as we know, for Champions League. So uh, effectively, it's it's one season running into another. Uh, So I think um, if we're going to expect changes, we would probably expect them after next June, after uh, June of 2020. 2021, excuse me. Yeah, and that's not to say that we would even do it then. We may, you know, it may go so well, we may just continue doing it. But the fun thing is that, you know, we're kind of, we're learning as we go. It's, it's um, as somebody that's in a creative business, I consider myself a creative. Um, the challenges are fun sometimes, although you know, they may not seem fun at, in the moment. But, you know, when you take a step back, um, the challenge of figuring out this October is is kind of fun in its in its own way. So it's good. You know, it's a good problem to have. I think if we do it in the States, we do it here in the long term, it'll be great. Um, we're doing Champions League. At the end of the day, we're doing Champions League. And that's 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 the takeaway for me is that, you know, as a as a as a fan of this sport, as a former player of this sport, as someone that grew up in a family um, of soccer players, it's it's a little surreal that I'm even uh, that we're at this point. So it's all good. And, and every problem is a good problem in my mind at this point. CBS Sports HQ obviously has been running a concurrent pregame show for uh, for Champions League and Europa League with different personalities. We saw some integration of uh, Demarcus Beasley and, and CBS Sports HQ personnel with uh, Champions League in discussing Tyler Adams, a couple of other uh, points of integration. Are you going to look uh, for next season and beyond to integrating uh, your Connecticut uh, studio st- uh, team and, and the people who are working at CBS Sports HQ in uh, the larger UEFA broadcasts? I think when it works, we'll do it. Like the Marcus Beasley worked um, for obvious reasons. Um, but I think once we get, you know, in a better place, I can definitely see us doing that a little, you know, more often, given the challenges that we all had a month and a half ago, whatever it was, 40 days ago, roughly, um, the way it's been going, I'm, I'm pretty excited about on our front and, and on their front. So, but I, I definitely see us at some point um, doing a little bit more together. 
Let's uh, talk a little bit about your talent on the London side. Uh, Rafa Honingstein is someone American uh, soccer fans, soccer viewers are very familiar with. Uh, he's an acclaimed author, acclaimed uh, journalist, writer, and uh, spent many years on the ESPN FC show. Uh, get, talking about uh, German football, transfer rumors, those sorts of things, Jurgen Klopp, uh, et cetera, Thomas Tuchel, who, of course, we've seen in, 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 uh, uh, we're see in the final as, as we record this. Um, did you guys envision this bigger role for him? Because I, I would say from my perspective, he's excelled. I mean, he's shown he can be a, an analyst, a co-commentator. Uh, he can do everything you need him to do in addition to reporting, in addition to doing post-match interviews, which he did in, in Munich uh, after the Bayern-Chelsea match. Uh, this is a role that we haven't seen him in before. So um, what, what kind of prompted you to put him in, in, this, uh, in this larger role? And did you know he'd be so successful? Well, I mean, what prompted it was, you know, his credentials, obviously, as, as you've mentioned. Um, what frustrates me sometimes is because the German teams were doing so well mm-hmm. with Bayern and Leipzig, it's kind of like, oh, we're just going to put our, our German guy on it. And uh, that wasn't the intention. You know, the intention is for him to speak to all of European uh, football, which he's done at times. But because of the, the prominence of Leipzig and Bayern the last couple of days, it was obviously something that we, we, we needed him to speak to. Um, but no, I, I, I did my research. I watched some YouTube pieces of him out in the field doing interviews with players. Um, I realized, I felt that we felt like that, um, you know, I, I, I showed him to other people at CBS and collectively we felt that this was something, someone that we could take a pretty calculated risk on. Um, giving a bigger role to. And, and plus the fact that I knew, personally, I knew the personalities that were going to be around him. Um, for example, yesterday, you know, Jamie giving him a hard time about not wearing socks. I knew that's something that he typically wouldn't have. have ha- I talked to Ralph afterwards and he was really, he loved it. He was surprised by it, but I think it's something that he's excited now to be a part of sort of a regular, you know, the the core group. So, um, but to answer your question, I think, you know, the research that we did, we felt that he had the personality, enough of a personality that he could be more than just a reporter. And it's worked out. It's worked out really well. And I'm, I'm excited to use him. We're sending um, where he's flying to uh, Cologne tomorrow to be our um, eyes and ears on the ground for the Europa League uh, final. So we're, we're going to have um, not tomorrow. Well, he's flying, I think, tomorrow. Well, we'll be on the air on Friday. So he'll be he'll again, Germany because the game happens to be in Germany, but that's not why we're sending him. If the game would have been in Portugal, we would have sent, you know, so, it, but he will be on the ground for us and reporting um, to our pregame and postgame with, with Jules Breach from, uh, from there. I think everybody would agree the banter in the studio has been uh, top quality, has been phenomenal. You also haven't, and I think this is really an important note for broadcasters when you talk about rights holders. You, you, you guys have not shied away from discussing controversial points about UEFA, about the tournament, about single leg versus double, uh, two legs, which is the typical uh, format we have, and uh, even issues like financial fair play, uh, allowing Jamie Carragher and Peter Schmeichel to kind of duke it out on that, Micah Richards to be involved in that conversation. Uh, is there... Um, is there some place where you'll draw the line with your commentators in terms of controversy, or is it going to be like this uh, from here on out? It's been a free-for-all, and I think it's been great for the viewers. No, I mean, listen, I've been, I've been producing a show um, inside the NFL. You know, it's a co-production of NFL and CBS. So I've, I've been in those waters before where we're doing a studio show and talking about controversies. 
whilst having a, a relationship with the league. So, um, um, you know, we hired, we've hired people that are, have opinions. They're pretty intelligent, uh, and, uh, not pretty, they're intelligent. Uh, they're well-spoken. They know how to get a point across without, I think, crossing any lines. So, you know, to, to answer your question, I can't see myself ever telling talent what they can or can't say. Uh, I never have with the NFL either. So um, I can't see it happening here. Um, so, you know, there's, there are issues with every sport, every league, every business in the world. And, and sometimes they have to be addressed. Uh, we've done that. And I, can, I, I don't see us stopping anytime soon. I'm not saying we're going to do an issues-based show where it's the, where it's the, you know, it's the, it's the focus of what we do. But when it, when it, when it warrants it, it'll come up. Speaking of other sports, CBS has a, has a uh, litany of other things you've broadcast and, and covered. Uh, most notably, of course, for, for most of our uh, readers, listeners, would be uh, NFL, uh, PGA Tour Golf, plus the Masters and PGA Championship, uh, college basketball, and the SEC football. What have you taken from those products and integrated in this? Because I'll, I'll tell you, as someone who watches a lot of golf, especially on CBS, and watches uh, Jim Nance and Nick Faldo and that interaction and, and, and listens to your other uh, on-course commentators. I think the look and feel of Champions League and Europa League have been kind of similar to that. I mean, obviously the commentators are different, the issues are different, but it's a consistent look and feel, which I wasn't sure if with you guys uh, having to turn to have a turnkey production, it was going to be have that CBS stamp. But for me, as, as uh, someone who's watched CBS cover other sports for, for decades, uh, it's got that. Yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 looking back at this, you know, we had, I think, 28 days from the day we learned we were getting it to the first day we were on the air. So in those 28 days, we had to make a lot of very quick decisions um, on talent, on scheduling, on a lot of different things. And I think one, you know, I feel like we've made some pretty good decisions. I'm not happy with a lot of them. Um, one of them, what I think was the biggest was that we decided that before we get on the air, um, that we do two days, two full days of rehearsals. Um, and really the, design, the, the purpose of that was to get our talent together and just have a hang for two straight days. And yes, it was a rehearsal technically um, to see how everyone looked on camera, but really for me, it was more of a chemistry building. You know, my goal was in those two days for, for one, them to, to get to know one another, but two, I kept conveying to them that this is not what you're used to. We are allowed to do. So we'd be in a meeting or we'd be at lunch and they would have a conversation and I would say, you could do that on the air. And they'd look at like, we really like we could, I said, everything you just said, everything you just did, you can do that on the air. And I, I think, in fact, not only can you do it, it's encouraged. The biggest thing for us is like, you know, what you used to, uh, uh, it feels and looks like CBS. Um, it's definitely not an accident. It's definitely not a coincidence. Um, that was something that was stressed. And again, I think those moments in those um, lunches, production meetings, hangs, where they were encouraged to bring that banter, bring that sort of in, you know, um, spontaneous uh, conversation to in front of cameras was something that I think they were not, I think, I think a lot of them were surprised by. Um, but also they were very happy to hear about it. Um, they really were excited about the fact that we could sort of, you know, take some chances and, and talk about things that they normally wouldn't talk about, you know, making fun of Rafa's socks or, 
rolling in Micah hitting a home run the day before. Things like that are things that they never never would do in their in their respective European shows. So um, yeah, that was that was a really important part of what we were doing here, and I'm I'm really happy with they've really um, taken to it. Now they're coming to me with ideas. Hey, you know, I've got this video of this, or what if we show this? So now they're all on board. And, um, you know, I think that's, again, like you pointed out, I think it's a big part of, of what, what we've done here. And uh, I think that's why, um, you know, some people, you know, it seems like people like it. The Europa League, I would, uh, I have historically uh, likened to being akin to the NIT, and it's something that uh, I, I would compare. Well, look at how CBS covers the NCAA tournament, how ESPN uh, covers the NIT. Heck, I'm old enough to remember when the NIT was on USA Network uh, about 30 years ago. When uh, CBS, of course, had the NCAA's at that time, uh, had it since the early 80s. Um, you guys have done something with the Europa League we haven't seen done before on American television, which is or American streaming slash television, which is full studio, kind of full uh, wraparound coverage, uh, post match, post match interviews, and, and uh, you you put the games on on CBS Sports Network on, on tape delay, and I think every Europa League match, maybe save one of them. Uh, has been re-aired on, on CBS Sports Network, uh, maybe all of them. So that's uh, that's something we haven't seen on American television. So much coverage of this, what we've always thought of as a, a second-tier event uh, akin to the NIT. Uh, how did you guys come about that decision? Was that something that you did market research on or just instinctively felt uh, the tournament deserved th- that sort of coverage similar to the Champions League? Um, I grew up, you know, a lot of my youth was spent in Croatia and Europe, and a lot of the teams out of Croatia and, and the former Yugoslavia would play in the Europa League. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, the UEFA, you know, the UEFA League. And so it was something that was very familiar to me and was, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're from like a smaller club, smaller country, smaller league, it's important. Um, and it's, you know, you're not going to compete in the semifinals of a Champions League if you're a team from Croatia, a team from, I don't know, from a smaller Romania, those sorts of places, yeah. Yeah. Ukraine, you know, some of these smaller leagues, it's really tough. So I, I've always had a special place in my heart for Europa League, uh, UEFA. And so when I realized um, that we were doing both, I asked, can we sort of focus on that as well? And, and, you know, honestly, I didn't expect it to be, you know, Inter and, and, and Sevilla and Man U. I mean, we knew Man U could make a run there, but, it's been great. I mean, last night I left the studio, I left the Champions League studio, uh, and I saw Roberto uh, Martinez in a hallway, and I said, you, you good for, um, for Friday for Europa League? He said, Peter, this is a Champions League match. This is, this is going to be amazing. I said, I know. I'm excited about it. So I'm, I think, you know, we got a little lucky with just how good the games, the, the games have been and the matchups we've had. But from the beginning, the, the marketing research was really growing up uh, watching it as a kid, and, and the fact that we could be a part of it to me was uh, I made a pretty hard sell early on that this is something that we should really pay attention to. It's never been paid attention. As far as I know, it really hasn't gotten a lot of coverage in the U S I don't remember no. a lot of coverage. Um, but yeah, the NIT, you know, when this first process still uh, first started, I use that analogy all the time when I was kind of explaining to people like what, you know, what the Champions League is, what the, what, what the Europa League is, and that and NIT analogy I, I use all the time, all the time. But, in, but in, it's a little different. You know, it's a, so one thing is if you win the NIT, you automatically qualify for the NCAA tournament the next year. That's pretty cool. And it's not exactly the NIT. It's, it, it would be a notch above the NIT. It's still prestigious. Yeah. 
Um, but but the best easiest analogy, yes, would be that one. The uh, uh, hiring a match commentators, we have to say, has been brilliant. And, and Clive Tilsley and Peter Drury, you brought two of the definitive voices in the English language. I mean, two of the guys that I think everybody knew that was tuning in. I mean, there was a familiarity about it, uh, particularly Drury, because he's called uh, Premier League matches for so long uh, on uh, on other networks uh, uh, in the U.S. and and for the international feed. Uh, how um, how Difficult was it, one, to secure those two guys? And obviously, Jim Beglin has the team with, with Tilsley. is a guy that they've worked together for many years. Uh, again, Champions League and, and Premier League, among other things. Uh, how difficult was it to secure those guys? And now how easy is it to, uh, to program with those guys? Well, I, you know, a, a lot of things broke our way. Um, a lot of things broke our way. It, it was relatively easy i'll be honest um it was sort of like you know uh the first thing we did was we figured out all right who's already working champions league and who's not available and then you find a li- and you end up with a list of people that aren't working for champion on champions league for say bt or anyone else um and then the other thing is that because of the situation we're in very few people are going on holiday yeah uh, um so you know they're not working because they're not doing Champions League, and it's the only thing on the air right now. They're not going on holiday because of the pandemic. So uh, I'll be honest, like those calls, those, those hires happened very quickly. Um, in fact, all the hires happened pretty quickly. And what happened was, you know, we focused primarily on the studio, not primarily, we focused only on the studio. We were gonna, originally the plan was to take the world feed because we just didn't have enough time um, to, to do studio and, and game. And what happened was the studio fell into place so quickly um, that we found ourselves like, all right, what's next? And then it's like, oh, let's take a, let's take a stab at the game analyst, see, you know, play by play commentary and see how that goes. And then sure enough, it, it went pretty quickly. And, it, and I think it's, a, again, uh, a lot of things broke our way. Uh, the schedule broke our way. The fact that it was in the summer, the fact that nobody was working on anything else, the fact that the pandemic, the fact that people like being on the air in America, I think, played in, into a lot of this as well. Um, so, and CBS's uh, profile um, is very high over here, surprisingly. I, I, when I tell people or mention CBS, I'm surprised how, how, how well, uh, how familiar they are with the network. But yeah, so I think all those things helped us and and it wasn't i'll be honest it wasn't very difficult it was it was pleasantly um and even them i mentioned the talent you know dealing work working with the talent everyone is just across the board it's just amazing it really is amazing how nice happy to be here friendly um easy to work with everybody is from top to bottom behind and behind in front of the cameras and behind yeah, and my historic experience in, in Britain in particular is everybody knows CBS because they know the news division. They know Mauro, they knew Mauro, they knew Cronkite, they know 60 Minutes. So, yeah, it's a brand name for sure. And we saw that with the way Clive Tilsley and Peter Drury kind of introduced themselves the first match day that they worked, that uh, this is a big, this is, we're on American uh, network television. This is a, a big, big deal. Yeah, they were excited. Both of them were very excited. I'd say of, of all the talent, they may have been the most excited to be on on uh, CBS. So it was cool that you could see that they were truly, yeah. it was a big deal for them. So that was cool. 
Yeah, my last question is on that uh, that front also. So we talked about Drury and Tilsley and the match commentators. Next year, we assume we're going back to the more traditional fo- format, home and away ties, uh, uh, two leg ties, uh, group stage. Uh, well, group stage is the same this year, but uh, obviously for your broadcasting purposes, you didn't broadcast a group stage. Uh, does that complicate getting the match commentators in person around to matches, or um, do you guys still plan to have them live? Uh, and at the match, and, and and also having reporters like you mentioned, Rafa Honigstein. You've got Alex Scott, Peter Schmeichel on site at, at various matches. No, I, I, I listen. Um, I don't know. I haven't done this yet. Um, we're figuring out step by step. We're like, it's what's the next thing we have to do? Let's let's tackle it. I haven't put too much thought into it, but I do know that once um, commentators are allowed in the stadiums, we absolutely plan on um, having them on site. I do know that we'll continue having reporters on site similar to the way we have Alex and Peter Schmeichel in Portugal. Um, and I do know that even our, our studio will, will hit the road um, once we're allowed on occasion for a big game. Uh, that's something I really look forward to. Uh, the day where there's full stands and we're on the, you know, we're on the sidelines and, and doing it you know, the way it's meant to be. Um, but in the, in the, for now, this, is, you know, this has been great. It's been a you know, great band-aid um, for the situation we're in. But yeah, I think once once things normalize, we'll have we'll do it the right way. We'll have our commentators on site, and we'll have reporters on site. And you know, when we can, obviously, we're not going to do it with every match. Um, but and we'll also have our studio on site when we can. So thank you to Pete Radovich and CBS Sports for setting up that interview for us. Uh, Pete, we know, is a big fan of the podcast, a regular listen, uh, listener, so it was a pleasure to have him on uh, to, uh, to speak with us. Now, Kartik, out of all the things that uh, Pete covered, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from that interview? One, that CBS is really committed to doing this the right way, giving it a CBS uh, feel and doing it long term this way. Uh, two, that uh, CBS was so serious about this that in the 28 days they had between acquiring the rights and going to air, uh, they did just about everything right. They got the top tier talent and they were very, very committed to having this uh, go off uh, as well as it has. Uh, even the fact that, that he's relocated to London for this uh, expresses a level of seriousness and a breadth of, uh, of, of, of how important this is for uh, CBS Sports, the entire uh, CBS Sports division. So that, that to me was pretty uh, uh, interesting to hear. Also, the prominence and importance of the Europa League, the fact that they're continuing to do these uh, wraparound shows for the Europa League uh, pregame and post-match, and that they continue to, uh, to, 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 to look at how they can improve as, they st- uh, as they've gotten into this uh, uh, mode of having to do matches every day do them quickly, produce a show just about every day. We've had very few breaks since the Champions League and Europa League resumed, and even the addition of new talent like Jermaine Genus uh, midstream. So uh, it, was, it was, to me, very enlightening, and, and you get a sense of how important this property is to CBS Sports, which is something that uh, I think is great to hear because on this show – uh, Chris, and in, on, in print and, and just in general conversations among soccer fans, we always wondered why uh, CBS seemed to not ever 
have the sort of interest in soccer other networks in the U.S. did. So now they've gone in headfirst with NWSL and UEFA club competitions this summer, and you see and hear how important it is to them. You have to wonder, Kartik, as far as the future, what, what the future holds for CBS Sports. Um, are they interested in Major League Soccer rights that are coming up? The bidding will start next year. Uh, would they be interested in putting in a bid for the Premier League? Really, the sky's the limit in terms of the possibilities that um, they, they have if they want to go down those paths, because they could definitely put in some, some serious bids for those competitions and, and, and others too. It, it's amazing, though, in such a short amount of time, how much they've done uh, how, how much they've accomplished because we as the viewer i mean we w- watching uh, these games i think i think most of us listening and 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 i mean many others too probably are watching more pre-game coverage and mo- more post-game cr- coverage for the UEFA champions league and the europa league probably more than ever before and that's the thing though too it's not only is it uh cbs sports and cbs uh, all access but it's also cbs uh sports hq I mean, HQ usually is doing about two hours of pregame coverage, which is completely different than what CBS Sports um, uh, All Access is doing, or CBS All Access is doing. So depending on which one, if you're somebody who enjoys um, listening and and getting the analysis from Ian Joy and Demarcus Beasley and Jimmy Conrad and and, uh, Danny Higginbotham and and many others um, there, you can get that for free. Or you can get CBS All Access and then get the you mean, the Roberto Martinez, the Rafa Honigstein, um, a, a, a Julian Lorenz, who we saw this week, uh, Jermaine Genus. It's amazing the amount of possibilities and, and options that we have available to us. At the same time, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, the Univision numbers are through the roof. They're doing wonderful, um, too, with what they're accomplishing. But in the past, where I kind of always felt like, okay, I would go back to Univision because either the Fox coverage wasn't that good or the the Turner coverage wasn't that good or sometimes it was technical problems and I would go back to watching it on Univision. So far for this Champions League and Europa League, I haven't done that once. But uh, but Kartik, what about CBS Sports HQ? I mean, we didn't really talk about that in the interview, but but what what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's great complimentary coverage that you get from CBS Sports HQ, and you get some real uh, uh, f- kind of feel of, uh, of, of, you know, I would, I would call it um, more kind of deeper dive analysis and some, some different perspectives on there, and obviously some, some more American perspectives with the likes of Demarcus Beasley being on there, Christina Uncle, etc. Uh, but you got uh, some really important information out of there. Jonathan Johnson uh, uh, being on that. Uh, CBS Sports HQ from the get-go was really critical when we saw the deep runs that two uh, Liga 1 clubs made uh, in this Champions League, Leon getting to the semifinals, PSG to the finals. So that was a great coup. In addition, I think that there's a kind of more newsy feel about CBS Sports HQ, just the way it sets up. So it's almost like a great place to go to get a team sheets, get kind of uh, thoughts about uh, – news as it breaks from from the the match sites it has a very sky sports news feel to it not not in necessarily the level of analysis i think cbs sports hq does a better job of that but in kind of the way it's presented whereas um cbs all access or cbs sports network uh, the, the kate abdo studio team has more of a sky sports feel 
mm-hmm. for those who haven't spent time in the UK, there is a definitive difference between Sky Sports News and uh, Sky Sports and presentation and how they present things. So I think that that's the divide uh, in terms of, and it's not really a divide. They complement each other, but that's the difference between the two pregame and post-match shows. The other, the other thing, too, is that uh, CBS Sports, uh, CBS All Access have done a good job of actually at, at times uh, integrating them both together. So, for example, I think it was last week where we had uh, DeMarcus Beasley uh, uh, interviewing Tyler Adams or talking to Tyler Adams. And, and DeMarcus, we've seen several times on CBS Sports HQ. He's one of the main guys there. And on uh, CBS All Access, we had uh, Tyler Adams talking to his hero, Demarcus Beasley, talking about uh, how Tyler Adams, um, I mean, Demarcus was his role model. Demarcus was somebody that he always looked up to. And, and, and they spoke live on camera about uh, how they hadn't, they, they never met at each other. Uh, I think um, they kind of crossed paths, but ne- never actually met each other. And, and that was good. That was a good integration between the two. We haven't seen a ton of the integration, but in the future, I think. Um, from what I understand, uh, when it works, uh, we'll see more of that. But but that was good too. Lastly, Kartik, I, I know um, there's been the CBS uh, All Access. Almost every day, there's been something different. It's it's always it's always enlightening. It's always always insightful. But the person I've been most impressed with from this past week, I mean, o- overall, I've been I think Roberto Martinez is the number one. But for me, the person that's impressed me the most from this past week has been Jermaine Genus. Uh, both as a co-commentator, but also as an analyst. He is really, really good, top level. Yeah, so that didn't surprise me. I've uh, Before BBC World took it off, uh, they had a, a show, and I'm forgetting the name of it, uh, but a show that would air uh, at 5.30 UK time every Saturday that Jermaine Genius was on. And... Um, I watched that for uh, for a few years, right, right after Genus' playing career ended, actually. Uh, he went right into studio punditry and was quite good on that program. And then I remember when I traveled to India or traveled to, to the UK or Dubai, I've seen him uh, on, on BBC World Service. And he's been very, very good. So that didn't surprise me. What is really important for CBS in adding Genus is that he can serve both that studio uh, pundit role and he can serve a co-commentator role, which gives a versatility that I think is really important for them as, as they keep moving through this. And that, that's the sort of versatility that, um, quite honestly, Fox and, and Turner were able to take advantage of uh, with Stu Holden. Maybe uh, Turner didn't take advantage of it enough because they paired him with Steve Nash, right? And they had him uh, uh, serve as the, as the lead commentator. But that you need those sorts of vers- versatile uh, figures uh, on your team. And so Genius can plug in uh, to studio conversations, he can also uh, do match commentary, which uh, is helpful for them. We'll see how uh, they use him going forward after uh, this year's tournament, because obviously mm-hmm. one of the things that I talked about uh, that we talked about in this interview was that um, th- with the home and away format next year, and we're back to group stages, CBS has never broadcast a group stage. There are some different challenges in how you you spread your personnel and how you use your studio. And uh, they appear like they're prepared for that, but we may see some of these individuals in different roles, uh, is my guess, as we get to uh, the group stage next season and then the knockout stage, which will be the traditional, barring another, you know, we can never be too sure in this world as, as it is in 2020, but barring another shutdown like this year, home and away format throughout um, from the round of 16 to the semifinals. 
one more thing from this interview, Kartik, and, and that is uh, the question that you asked, which I thought was a great question about um, what has uh, CBS taken from other sports that CBS carries in terms of you know, whether it's uh, golf or other sports. And um, I think in many ways, too, I think uh, CBS Sports, in terms of the soccer coverage, they've definitely taken some of the rule book from NBC Sports. They've definitely taken some of the uh, rule books from ESPN as far as the World Cup coverage in the past blended those two together and amped it up big time and and then added the CBS stamp on on there. Overall, I think it's the it's the magic formula if if what they've created. Um what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one of the things Chris that they uh that they like is studio banter. I've seen that on, or, or even banter between commentators, which I've seen uh, on their golf coverage and then the studio banter on their March Madness coverage and, and some of their college football coverage. So uh, I don't watch the NFL, but I believe that that's a trademark of their NFL coverage also. So that's been imparted here. We've seen Jamie Carragher playing that role a lot, right? Uh, of antagonist on the studio in the studio team. And then they've taken like the, the, the kind of, uh, superior production level not just camera shots but graphics putting graphics in at the right time uh, not these kind of loud um <laughs> over the top graphics like we used to have on fox obnoxious uh, we, right yeah obnoxious graphics and and, and uh not the uh the, the chicken scratch or whatever you want to call what turner did i mean i'll take the fox <laughs> graphic over turner so I, I think that they've taken the kind of production levels and studio banter that they've had in the uh, in CBS Sports American productions of, of, of U.S. sports, and then imparted it into uh, a soccer broadcast, which I think they've perfected looking a lot at NBC and looking a lot at ESPN. And they also, I should mention, in their golf coverage, uh, anyone who follows uh, golf knows CBS has a, a uh, number of foreign accents on their golf coverage, whether it's Nick Fowler, who's their lead analyst, who's obviously English, and they have guys like uh, David Faraday, who's Northern Irish, and they have, uh, they've had Australians on their coverage. They've had other uh, uh, Englishmen on their coverage. So I think that they know how to integrate those accents into, um, into, into soccer coverage. So one of the things that I thought about in asking the question specifically about golf was um, CBS does not have the experience covering Olympics and covering all these international events that NBC does, which made NBC's transition to uh, broadcasting the Premier League maybe a little more seamless. They knew what Formula One was like. They they had done the Olympics for for however many cycles by that time, by the time they acquired the Premier League rights. But then I realized, and they they covered in golf the international events, the Ryder Cup, the, uh, the President's Cup. But I realized CBS, even though they don't cover a single PGA Tour event from outside North America. Uh, all the events that on the tour that end up in, in, in Europe or uh, the, the World Golf Championship event that's in Asia uh, end up on NBC. But they have integrated those foreign voices because golf is an international game into their coverage. So that maybe gave them a, a template for what to do with soccer. And just before we go, Kartik, I, I do have to mention that my, my favorite part of that interview was with, was with, with Pete Radovich talking about uh, having a kind of basically kind of uh, meetings or, or uh, dinners with, with the the talent, and they were talking about some of the some of the the, the fun things, um, you know, some opinions that they had, and and Pete was saying like everything you just did, 
we can do on air. And they were like, what? R- really? We can do that? Like, yeah, this is this is CBS, CBS Sports. We do things differently. This is American television. We do things differently. And, and I think I got a little sense of the difference between uh, Americans and, and, and the British. I mean, the British is a little bit more reserved in terms of being on air, a little bit tighter, a little bit more... Um, oh, not, not not professional, but just a little bit more reserved versus the American, where it's more let loose, kind of uh, show show your emotions, have a little bit of fun, and that's something we've seen from this uh, for the last two weeks of the CBS Sports' coverage of the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League. Is there's been a fun factor to it too, as well as the serious. Analysis. So whether it's Mika Richards uh, or Michael Richards or, or Alex Scott or Peter Schmeichel, you can go down every single person on that uh, talent uh, list, and I think everyone's having fun, and it shows. And and then for me as a viewer, I'm watching that and I'm laughing with them, and and it's quite different than what we had with Turner Sports, where Turner Sports were having jokes in between breaks, and they'd come back from a break and have. And kind of inside jokes that the viewer was like, "What are they talking about? This is not funny. I have no idea what they're, why they're laughing so much," and, and that's a huge difference too. So it's been an enjoyable. It's only been two weeks, Kartik. It's only been two weeks, but it's been an enjoyable uh, viewership. So thank you for doing the interview. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with our regular podcast, and don't forget uh, Friday we've got the Europa League final which should be amazing. And then Sunday, we've got the UEFA Champions League final. And then they've got a small break before they come back uh, right at it. So uh, thanks for listening and all the best. And Kartik, uh, any send-off words? Enjoy your football. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.